at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. All right, so thank you so much for staying with us. It's 11 minutes, uh, 11, 11 minutes, I beg your pardon, 11 minutes after one o'clock. And uh, I saw an article that I really thought needed us to unpack here on the show because, as I said, we keep talking about the US and we know what Donald Trump is doing around COVID 19 and how it's become such a political tool. We keep talking about. Uh, China, we keep talking about Europe. What we haven't been focusing on is how Africa is managing COVID-19. What we do know, though, is the WHO has congratulated South Africa in how we're managing it. That's great news. What's going on in the continent? I thought the article that was written by William Gumete Gumete yesterday was just absolutely wonderful. And we needed to just touch base on that because it's highlighting things that because we are so... We're so fixated on our own problems, we could turn a blind eye on what could be a problematic um, situation brewing there. So welcome to the show and thank you very, very much, uh, Professor William Gomete. Good afternoon and thank you so much for joining us. Are you able to hear me, Professor Gomete? Yes, I can hear you clearly. Thank you for inviting me and uh, uh, also to your listeners. Thanks very much for, for coming on the show. You highlighted things that I I really was not thinking too much about because, as I said, we're also consumed with other things going on around us. But you're raising some concerns around how some countries in the continent are using COVID-19 to almost restrict human rights. No, absolutely. I mean, the difficulty, of course, you know, in the African context is uh, for many African countries, they don't have the capacity, they don't have the finances, they don't have the expertise to deal with the coronavirus crisis. You know, it's very, very difficult. Now, unfortunately, what some countries have done, so, um, you know, they've tried to to stop the information from getting out to their citizens, um, you know, uh, and some of them uh, may argue, well, uh, let's restrict information, let's restrict journalists reporting on it because they don't want to cause panic. You know, they don't want the population, the populace to hear that there's no capacity or little capacity and so on. You know, they don't want to cause panic. Now, unfortunately, that type of response to try to restrict information supposedly not uh, in order not to want to cause panic, Mm. you know, it also has been restricting, you know, human rights uh, so human rights violation, if you don't give, if you don't allow information out so that people can make decisions, you know, credible and credible information. And it's also just mean, you know, a marginalization of many of the media organizations that want to get uh, information out to people so that people can make decisions. Mm. But, but I mean, I'm looking at some of the reports coming through around what they're doing, and these are quite drastic measures that, uh, you know, phone-in programs like this, for instance, people are just not allowed to phone into a, a radio program. Uh, so in itself, there is also that... Um, that's quite serious. Some, some in some areas. I mean, this is in Madagascar. In some areas yeah. where a journalist was run down and so on. This, these, some of these actions are quite serious. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if, I mean, the example of in Madagascar, where the government intervened and said, you know, let's stop all phone in radio phone in programs because, you know, listeners are going to ask tough questions and and the government won't be able to respond to it and you know, will cause chaos and panic and so on. Um, and it's just one after type of, you know, in other places, in other countries, in DRC, for example, in Ghana, for example, uh, Senegal, also Uganda and Kenya, you know, some j- journalists have actually who want to report on the issue, you know, on the government's response to to COVID-19, where journalists were actually either 
brutalized by the police or either taken out of the way to say, well, or, or even banned, you know, some websites and some journalists were actually arrested mm. uh, because governments say, well, if you're going to report on this, it's going to cause panic. If you're going to report on the truth, it will, it will cause panic. Now, the problem actually, that really is the wrong approach because the better this approach really is to give as much information out so that people can make judgments. I mean, just a case in point, in Kenya, for example, I mean, there's been a lot of accusations uh, that the lockdown there, the way the police and the the army has treated people very brutally when they enforce the compliance. And in some areas, in some markets, People didn't even know, citizens didn't know that there was a lockdown because they didn't get the information. Hmm. But then they, they were just attacked. So it's really, in order for to deal with this, with this pandemic effectively, we need to get the information out to people. I mean, in, and in order to get a compliance right, we must also get the information out to, to people. So in a way, by trying to marginalize journalists or restrict journalists or restrict information, it actually makes it very difficult to deal with the pandemic. Well, Professor Kometa, I just then want to know whether there is a role South Africa can play here. So we are really at the center of leadership there at the UN with this kind of what we're hearing cracking down on media of, of this kind of reaction to COVID. 19, which admittedly nobody was prepared for. Could we not do anything as as a country to try and influence a a bit more um, human rights exercising of those human rights in, in other countries? Absolutely, we can because, you know, we also the head of Ramaphosa in South Africa yes. right now is the head of the African Union. Yes. And, you know, um, so we need, in order to deal with a pandemic in the region, there has to be, a, you know, an African Union response also, you know, uh, and, uh, and so on. So really, yeah, what we could do as a country really to emphasize, you know, to our peers that the response must be human rights based. Let's, you know, let's respond with in my individual dignity of people. Let's allow the information to come out so that we can have credible information so people can make decisions. And let's also protect, you know, the civil society, journalists and so on. You know, give them the freedom to report. Of course, we don't want fake news to be reported mm. because there are also incidents of fake news and, and we have to deal with fake news because that causes more chaos. But really, credible journalists and so on must be allowed and media organizations to report on it and the AU must come out and actually emphasize that to so, other African countries. So, so in your sense, what really is the fear? Because we, we, we understand that the world has no clue what we're doing. Everybody is just, it's trial and error and everybody gets that. So what is the fear from these governments when it comes to access to information? Because it can only be detrimental for the population if they don't even know that there's a lockdown. Actually, so the fear, it seems to be that, you know, there are two, two big fears. The one is that, you know, governments don't want to expose to their people that they don't have the capacity, that their, their health services, you know, won't be able to cope uh, and so on. The second thing is also that they fear, well, if, for example, a journalist report that there is a, 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 sorry, a coronavirus infected person in a certain type of hospital, yes. the people will be fearful to go to that hospital okay. uh, and so on, you know, the fear and so on. So that appears to me, you know, the two really main reasons 
why government seems to want to close down on information or reduce information around uh, the coronavirus spread. So, I mean, as you said, you know, South Africa now is at the head at the U uh, at the United um, at the AU, AU Abek, Abek, at the AU, and and we could really be a, a shining light there because we've been congratulated on how we're managing. By no means are we perfect, by the way. But do you think this is going to be influential because we are getting this recognition? It absolutely going to be influential. I must also say to you, there has been some, you know, for example, some countries have. Uh, or some leaders, like in Kenya, the Kenyan uh, president actually apologized, um, you know, to people who were treated with brutality by the police, whether journalists or citizens. So they actually, interestingly, there's been uh, uh, increasingly over the last couple of days a greater awareness that, you know what, they can't do things that way. Uh, there has to be more openness. It's better to have openness uh, to deal with a pandemic. So, so you know, so there's some green, some, 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 some good signs. Mm. So what we now need to do is just, you know, greater emphasis from the AU side. You know, South African government has a lot of influence, especially now the fact that we are looked at in Africa, but not only in Africa, but even other countries are saying we're doing a, a really good job in dealing with this. And, and even we're getting the information out. I mean, I understood uh, two weeks ago, South Africa was seen as the second most best Credible, second best rated, mm. with a credible country with info, in, in relation to information mm-hmm. around uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So we, we're becoming potentially a leader, and that allow, gives us the credibility to also influence other African countries. What, what I find was really important about your article, Prof, is because, the, because of the restriction of movement, you know, international media cannot enter spaces, and you only rely on the local media, which which makes it extremely difficult if, if there's a clampdown. So how do media like ourselves support our journalists in spaces where there is a clampdown? Yeah, so the important thing is, is to report on it. You know, if a, you know, a journalist is run down deliberately by you know, the police in the, in the Congo, you know, to, to highlight it, to alert it, you know, to report on it, so we can have a response. I mean, I'm just thinking about a Kenyan president. Yeah. I mean, when he made his apology after hearing what happened, it's because, you know, other gen, local journalists reported on it, and also because, you know, regional organizations like uh, the Committee for the Protection of journalists highlighted it. So, you know, the more we highlight these cases, so, you know, the media, civil society, our governments must also highlight it, um, you know, the more it will help in, you know, journalists being protected. Prof, there is a caller. I don't know if you mind taking this caller, but Jimmy has also got a question around uh, our African brothers in other countries. Uh, Let me just take that call. Jimmy is calling from Bulukwane. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, I just want to check with Prof. What should be the position of AU regarding the ill-treatment of other African brothers in China? Should mm. the AU say something or should the AU be mum? And secondly, with regard, it's the issue of taking care of other African brothers in South Africa. Mm. Yeah, no, what should, what should be you know, the South African government? To the two, um, you, you, you know, the AU actually has been shockingly very quiet about the attacks 
of Africans uh, or uh, in China, uh, it, you know, around the coronavirus issue. You know, there was an incident apparently uh, where um, Africans were turned away, um, you know, from a fast food outlet because uh, uh, they were alleged to be HIV AIDS. Uh, sorry, uh, to be coronavirus infected because they are African. Mm. So we haven't seen the AU respond responded as strongly as they should have been. I mean, how come she even South Africa as the head this year of the AU has been quiet about it? So we really have to defend, uh, uh, you know, when these sort of things happen to other Africans. And then a the second thing in terms of, you know, treating Africans who are foreigners in another country, I mean, in South Africa, for example, and there's been a lot of criticism that we are not looking out also for, you, you know, non-South African Africans who are here. Mm. And also the same criticism made in other African countries, you know, non-African, if you're not certainly Kenya and you're not Kenyan and you're African, um, you know, that you are marginalized in this process. Now, if we don't also look after people in the same way as our citizens, you know, the infection will spread. It's as simple as that. But do we know for sure, Prof? Because I can tell you now, we've been trying to do our homework for a while now. Do you know what the policy and the position of government, South African government, is on assisting foreigners? It's, it's. I mean, what we're hearing, it's rumor and it's murmurs and it's what people are experiencing. But there is nothing official that comes from government. Do you know the government position on helping foreigners at the moment? No, I don't know the government's position, but, you know, once there is rumors and suspicions and so on, then one has to act, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, people always say, you know, you know, if there's smoke, there's something there. So, But we need, uh, from, from our, our government point of view, has to show that it is caring. Because, you know, people are watching us also, in any case, other African countries, because the view is that, you know, as, as South Africans, we are xenophobic. Mm. That we don't care about other Africans. So given that, in that context, and given the fact that we also now the heads of the AU, we really have to, we have to be seen to be doing things, you know, to doing good, to be caring also, not only for our own, but also for other Africans here at, at home here, but also Africans outside. Let's take another call. Vuiso is calling us from Parktown North. Uh, Vuiso, thank you so much for calling. Good afternoon. Yes, hello, Pamela. You know, thanks for taking my call, but I'm a bit concerned, you know, as a former uh, Umkondo season, having stayed in distant lands, and based on the history of the continent, uh, the relationship with the Western... Let me just just ask, there is definitely feedback coming through. Is your radio on? No, it's off. There is some feedback there that's really disturbing the transmission. Can, Can you hear it? All right, let's try and sort that out because there is definitely feedback there and we, we, we won't be able to hear her unless that feedback is sorted out. So um, she was talking about herself being a, a former Mkonto Wasizu. I think her, her question will be quite interesting. So let's try and try it again. Um, let's see if the line is bad or is it better? Okay, we're still working on that. Prof, um, so your your takeaway from all of this in, in how then we should manage, um, I mean, there was a call just the other day. Somebody said they were at a queue picking up parcels and they were immediately told by a local councillor that anybody who's not South African should leave the queue. So this was not a, a rumour. This was someone who was calling with their own personal experience here in Johannesburg who says they were, you know, going to collect parcels and they were told, well, if you're not South African, 
please don't even bother. Leave the queue. That actually is counterproductive because you know that the thing with this virus is it doesn't, you know, it doesn't respect any ethnicity or class or income. So if we, I mean, if we don't also look after, if you don't look after everyone else, you know, whoever gets infected, it will spread. So we need to look after everyone. I mean, that's to start off with. So we can't have, where you say, well, we're only going to look after South Africans because then we, and then we, you know, we leave non-South Africans who are in the country. Now, you know, they get infected. You know, the infection spread back to South Africans and back to all of us. So really for our own health, yeah, for our own safety, we need to look after everyone. And then also, of course, secondly, just the caring. We're all Africans together, and we, yeah, they, yeah. So, you know, we have to be be caring. Uh, mm. a, a, you know, it's supposedly a caring government, it's a caring mm. society. We really have to put it into practice. Vuyoso is back on a better line. Vuyoso, let's hear if the line works now. Good afternoon. Go, go ahead. Yes, afternoon, and thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm actually saying... You know, as a former uh, MK and mm. having grown up in distant lands in exile, yes. I'm really concerned about uh, uh, this whole situation. But the worst is that we mustn't be overwhelmed by the chairpersonship of the AU and uh, think that we are greater than other, uh, other African countries. Because uh, uh, the West and the, the Asians, they've never loved us. I mean, I've traveled ex- excessively. They don't like us. So why do we want to actually bully other African countries? Because we know very well that there is no resources. And the very Western powers are the ones that are looting the resources on the continent. So we mustn't use this chairpersonship to bully other countries that there is a no freedom port. We have known this for quite a long time. Why if COVID-19 you, was about... You, you, let me, I'm just going to rush you because of time. How would you then prefer that we react to this, what, that we hear? This, this, this whole phenomena or this whole catastrophe was supposed to be, actually the Western powers knew about it, China knew about it. They were supposed to have uh, alerted the African continent that there is this thing that is going to happen. You know, you can't just bombard people overnight and expect them to, to do wonders. Prof Kometa, you want to respond to that? Thanks very much for your talk. Um, yes, not that we should bully the other countries, but, you know, we actually should tell them, look, the best way to deal with it is not to, rep- to repress information, but that is to be open. Uh, that is, it is quite important. You know, we can't deal with this epidemic by wanting to be autocratic or wanting to stifle information is not going to help us because it will then increase the spread of the of, you know of, of you know of of the virus the second thing is i mean i know we we also as south africa we've got limited resources but we have more resources than any other african country so maybe what we should do is get maybe more involved in helping mm-hmm. it could be research from a research point of view some expertise mm-hmm. you know anything we can you know that we can do we can help what is ever practical we should do more we're not doing enough yeah i really love that thank you so much for highlighting all of this to us professor william gumete executive chair of the democracy works foundation and author of restless nation making sense of troubled times and uh, the publishers there are tafelberg thank you so much for that insight and i think it was really well well put together um yes we should involve ourselves in what other african countries are doing i don't think that's necessarily bullying but i think we should concern ourselves if there is a slight hint that there are human rights abuse 
abuses, particularly media crackdowns. I think we should involve ourselves. But I'll take your reaction as well on 0891-104-207-130. Let's go to Utsile Saku for the latest in headlines.